a safe place to grieve and to move on. Pamela Addison never expected to be a widow at 36. A year ago, she held her six-month-old son and two-year-old daughter and watched helplessly as paramedics rushed her husband, Martin, to the hospital. It was the last time that Pamela would see her husband. Martin Addison died 26 later of COVID-19. It was a devastatingly frightening time for she as a young mom. And then she received a sympathy card from another young widow whose husband had also died of the virus just a few weeks before. You're not alone, the card read. Pamela soon was in contact with the card's sender, Christina Scorpo. Last fall, the two single moms launched a Facebook support group, Young Widows and Widowers of COVID-19. For women and men like them struggling as single parents in the isolation brought on by the pandemic, the group has more than 400 members now across the country and some in the United Kingdom. We didn't plan on this, Christina says. We didn't plan to be widowed at 36 or at 33. We didn't plan to raise our kids without partners that we saw our lives with and we saw our futures with. The members of the group are especially welcoming to those who have just lost their spouse when it feels hopeless, like there isn't going to be happiness or joy ever again. Pamela explains, I feel like we can help them. Even if they're not where I am now, I can support them. And that's healing for me as well. Actually, it was NBC News on January 1st that I first heard that story. And then CBS carried it on February 23rd. See, what these two women have done is the work, I believe that Jesus challenges each one of us to take on. For it's on this day that Jesus calls us to continue his work, a work that has been vindicated and perfected in the fathers, raising him up from the dead. We who have seen and heard the story of Jesus are now called to bring that very same hope into the lives of others, into the life that we share with our own family members, our own friends, our own communities and church. See, it's in every kindness that we offer, in every word of encouragement and comfort that we utter, in every moment that we spend listening and supporting, we proclaim the very gospel of the risen Lord Jesus. Every good work, however small or hidden, truly is the very work of Christ in our midst. We are the ones called to be truly those agents of hope for our families, our friends, for our very world. But we all know that that's not always what we are. We're not always agents of hope. We all know that there are those people whom we avoid because we know no matter where they go, they have a black cloud that seems to follow them. 
And we also know people who avoid us at times because perhaps we never have a word of hope or of kindness or love for them. Agents of hope. Like many of you, I too was educated by religious women growing up. And just as throughout the country and actually throughout the world, dioceses have begun to cluster and to merge parishes together, so too have religious communities, both of men and women, begun to cluster them together. An example of that would be the Felician sisters, of course, who run Madonna University. In the United States, until about eight years ago, there were six provinces, six geographic locations, and one in Canada. And they're all now one group all together, six from the United States and one from Canada because of their shrinking numbers. The Dominican sisters of St. Catherine of Siena, who I grew up with, who my great aunt was with for 75 years, I think, when she passed away, whose religious name was given to me when I entered the Dominicans in 1983 and was given the name Giles. In French, her name was Sister Gilles Marie, Giles Marie. A few years ago, they joined along with the Dominican Sisters of the Sick Poor and the Dominican Sisters of Newburgh, New York. All had been independent and fairly large congregations, but with the aging sisters and few women joining them, the three decided to canonically come together, suppressing the three communities that existed and to begin something completely new as Dominican sisters. It was a very painful experience as they met in New York City in Newburgh. A difficult experience of letting go of something that they had known. And at the end of their time together, they had to choose a name for their congregation. The sisters said that from table to table, using poster board, they brainstormed, they used all kinds of titles, all kinds of names, like the group of sisters who taught me they were the Dominican sisters of Catherine of Siena in Massachusetts. In New York, in the sick poor sisters were the Dominican sisters of the Most Holy Rosary. And the Newburgh sisters were, I think, of the Sacred Heart. What would their title be? What would their name be? He said, the conversation just seemed to go around the table lifelessly. Until on the third day, suddenly, one of the older sisters in the group threw out a word that began to generate a new energy. And suddenly, from one table to the next table, a life and an energy happened, and the word that the sister had used was, we're doing this all together so that we can have hope. And so they identified themselves now as the Dominican Sisters of Hope, to be agents of hope in our world. Isn't that what you and I need? Isn't that what 
our communities, our families, our world needs is hope. But so often it's so easy to get caught in that mire of complaining and anger and frustration and we're on that hamster wheel and we go and we go and we go and we go and we go. And Jesus says, break the cycle. But to break the cycle, we have to keep our focus on the risen one, on Jesus himself, who opens up his arms, not only in a gesture of kindness and care and of love, but one that's inviting us to the next step in our lives to come out of our doubt, to come out of our fear, to come out of our angers, to come out of our resentments, to come. That we might become agents of hope for each other. For truly on that mount of the ascension, Jesus calls all of us, each and every one of us, to be hope. Today, today as we gather and celebrate here, we receive the Lord Jesus as food for the journey to give us strength. Yesterday we had our last group of children who made first Eucharist. The end of Mass, one of the children asked for a picture and as I gathered in the entranceway with the child, the little one called me down and I bent down and looked them in the eye and they said, I was here on Holy Thursday and you told a story about Jesus. He gave his friends his body and his blood and you just did that for me. You gave me Jesus. Let's be agents of hope for one another.